Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. Hebrews. So would you open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 7. I don't know about you, but uh, you know, while we're in Hebrews at least, it's become my favorite book. It's like people always ask me, what's your favorite book of the Bible? It's actually whatever book I happen to be studying or reading because it's all good and you tend to forget how good it is if you haven't read it for a while. So this is good stuff. Hebrews chapter 7, verse, uh, we're going to cut, hopefully we're going to finish the chapter today and I'm calling today's message, The Perfect Replaces the Imperfect. You know, I, I don't know about you, but when I was a child, I had a vivid imagination. And I used to, you know, pretend I'm flying in a plane. I'd fly around the playground. I used to pretend I'm driving race cars. I used to be, pretend I'm doing all this stuff. But when I grew up, I actually got to do some of that stuff I used to imagine. I haven't flown a plane. I've flown in a plane, so don't freak out. Uh, but i tell you what, imagination could be fun. But the reality is much better. And same thing when it comes to religion. You know, there are things in religion that mirror truth, allegories and parables and images and types and figures, but there's nothing like the real thing. It's kind of like the difference between talking about heaven and going to heaven. When you get there, it's going to be better than you ever imagined it would be. It's kind of like talking about God or spending time with God and having and communing with Him. Or it could be like talking about spiritual things and then suddenly experiencing spiritual experiences, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Folks, there's such a night and day difference between talking about something or looking at an image of something and experiencing the real thing. And uh, so today's theme is actually the shadow has been replaced by the substance. And uh, although we're in Hebrews chapter 7, I'd like to jump ahead because sometimes it helps us understand what we're reading when we know where we're going. In a few more years, I don't know how long it'll take before we're in chapter 10, but listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10. He says, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. 
If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once for all time. And their feelings of guilt would have, been, uh, would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sin year after year. For it is impossible for the, bull, excuse me, the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Folks, Jesus has come. And once the real has come, the shadow is insignificant and unimportant. It was a shadow. It was an image. And, and, and now we have the real thing. Father, we bow before you and we just pray that as we look at chapter 7 and finish off the chapter, that you would help us to catch what is it that you want to say to us. Lord, I know again there are doctrinal truths in this, in this scripture. Lord, teach us doctrine. But Lord, I also pray you speak personally to us because there are things special things, specific things that you want to say to each one of us personally. And so we pray, Lord, that we would have ears to hear what you have to say to us as we finish off chapter 7 of your word in the book of Hebrews. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now, if you were with us last week, uh, you know that we, we just finished covering a very interesting character called Melchizedek. He was a mysterious character of the Old Testament that you don't hear a whole lot about until we get to Hebrews. And in the first three verses of the book of, of actually in this chapter, we found out that this character Melchizedek was the priest of the Most High God. And he, this is before there was a such thing as a Jew or, or Levitical priesthood. We see that he was king of righteousness. He was king of Salem, which means king of peace. We also find in the first three verses of this chapter that he was without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. And then we looked at what we might call a Christophany or a theophany, an appearance of Christ in the Old uh, Testament. And it's very possible and very likely that this Melchizedek was actually Jesus appearing before Abraham. I know there's controversy on that, and you, you could disagree with me, but I, I tend to lean in that direction. But we saw that in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 10, that Jesus is that new priest forever. And he's after the order of Melchizedek, this, this great high priest, this great Gentile high priest in the Old Testament. And, and we're learning that the Old Covenant, God knew it was coming before, the, the uh, excuse me, the, the old covenant, the new covenant, God already knew it was coming, but the old covenant has been completely fulfilled in Christ, and it's been replaced by the new covenant. The old priesthood, totally replaced by a new priesthood, Jesus Christ. That's all we need. By the way, uh, that's why we don't have priests in our church, because Jesus is our high priest, and I am not priest Sasso. Matter of fact, I don't mind if you just call me Mike. Some people want to have a title, but I'm, I'm just your brother in Christ. Our great high priest is Jesus Christ. The old law has been completely fulfilled and replaced by the new covenant. Now, let, with that in mind, let's continue the flow of what the writer is saying in verse 11. He says, therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under the Excuse me. For under it, the people received the law. What further need was there that another priest should arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not to according to the order of Aaron? You see, not only is Melchizedek 
greater than Aaron, but the priesthood of Melchizedek found in Christ has replaced that old priesthood. That's what we've been reading about. That's what we'll continue to read about through the rest of this book. And it's no longer the order of Aaron or the order of Levi. It's the order of Melchizedek forever. And that's what we're saying. But of course, we'll call it Jesus Christ because uh, the writer of Hebrews is just pointing back to Melchizedek as an order outside of that Levitical priesthood. Now something else you want to see in verse 11 is that word perfection. It says, therefore, if perfection were, were through the Levitical priesthood. That word perfection is only found, I think, twice in our New Testament. And it actually means completion or fulfillment. Uh, matter of fact, it's, the, word is, the Greek word is teleosis. And it reminds me of uh, tetelestai when Jesus was on the cross and he breathed his last. And he says, it is finished. It is complete. It is paid for paid in full. And that's kind of, I think that's related to this word complete, perfection. So in this context, it means to make complete that connection between God and man, making it possible for ongoing fellowship with God. You see, the Old Testament could never do that. The Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the Old Law, the Levitical priesthood, the sacrifices, that, that could never give uh, the worshiper full access to God and complete ongoing fellowship. As a matter of fact, all throughout the Old Testament, if you're familiar with the, the uh, temple, the veil remained up. And so the veil was up and, and it wasn't taken down, or actually it was torn down by God himself when Jesus breathed his last and said it is finished to telestai on the cross. I like again what, what Hebrews 10 says, but let me read it to you from the new, excuse me, the new King James translation, Hebrews 10.1. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never in these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. Now there's that word again, perfect, complete. There's always something missing. There's always something lacking. Because the laws we've seen in Hebrews 10 is just a shadow of the, the substance that is to come. Uh, the Old Testament was a, what I've told you before. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. With the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. It was a substance, a shadow, a dim reflection of what was to come. Uh, matter of fact, I decided to use for your first fill-in a quote that I heard this week from Alistair Begg. And he said this, speaking of, of this whole topic. He says, to cling to the shadow is to forfeit the substance that it represents. Isn't that powerful? I mean, it, it, it's, it's kind of like, let me read it to you again in case you missed it. To cling to the shadow is to forfeit the substance that it represents. And as I heard him say this, I was thinking about, you know, if, if my wife wasn't around and she was on a long trip or in another country, I might have a picture of her and just cherish that picture. I might hang it up or, or, or kiss that picture. I might love that picture. Uh, but it would be really silly if once my wife came home, I'm still giving all my time and attention to the picture, right? It's just a picture. Buddy, you got the real thing right here now, okay? And so that's kind of what we're talking about when we look at, uh, remember the, the context of this is that the writer of Hebrews is warning the Jews, don't go back to the old system. 
The new has come. The substance has come. That was a shadow of things to come. Now you got the real thing. Don't kiss the picture. You got the real thing. Kiss the son. Lest he be angry as it says in Psalm 2. So anyway, we'll read on here in verse 11 and 12. Let's look at the flow together. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law... What further need was there that another priest should arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? For the priesthood, verse 12, the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of law. So everything's changed. The priesthood and the law, which we're being told here. As a matter of fact, um, when, you, know, you might ask, then why did God even give a law if it was going to be changed? Why did he give something and then change it? Well, actually, the very question was asked by Paul when he was writing to the Galatians. Let me read you his question along with his answer. Galatians chapter 3, verse 19, Paul says this. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. It was temporary. That's what the Bible says. At least that's what is clearly revealed to us in the New Testament in Galatians chapter 3. It goes on to say in this same chapter, Paul says in verse 24, Therefore, the law is our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. See, here's the problem. And the Jews always wanted to go back to it. How do you get right with God? How are you justified? How are you made right? Well, you've got to jump through all the hoops and make all the sacrifices, and, and you've got to go through all the motions. And Paul says... Look, those were all images and pictures of Christ. And he says that the law was just a tutor to point you to Jesus Christ. And it says, uh, let me read it again, that we might be justified by faith. Folks, you're not justified by jumping through the hoops. Perfect church attendance, that's how you get to heaven. No, it's not that any of the things that you might imagine or that you've been told growing up of what makes you right with God Quite often, they're wrong. Because what makes you right, it says right here, that we might be justified by faith. Because it says, let me read on. But after faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. Once you have faith in Jesus Christ, you don't have to go back and do all the, jump through all the hoops and do all the activities. And that's what the writer is warning these people. Don't, don't depend upon the old covenant. It's been fulfilled in Christ. Again, uh, let me read it to you from the New Living Translation, those very verses, Galatians 3.24. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now, that now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. I don't know about you, but that's a relief for me. Because when I first start becoming interested in the Lord, I began reading my Bible. I started in Genesis, lots of great stories. But by the time I got to Numbers and Deuteronomy and Leviticus and reading all the rules, I was quickly overwhelmed and realized, I can't do all this. Well, for one thing, there was no temple. There was no, there was no sacrifices going on, all the requirements of the law. I can't do this. I can't live this. You ever feel overwhelmed like that when you read your Bible? Well, that's what it's supposed to do. Make you feel overwhelmed and make you realize, 
I'm a sinner and I can't do this and I need a savior and you put your faith in Christ and that's what the whole point of the law is. So let's continue in the flow of this then in verse 13. For he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe, speaking of Jesus, from which no man has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning the priesthood. So now the author is going, now if you really want to make the rules, we've got to find a reason why Jesus should be your high priest. Uh, he's not from Aaron. He's not the Levitical priesthood. He's from Judah. There's nothing in the Bible about someone from Judah being a priest. But there is, there is prophecies of the Messiah coming through the line of Judah. Okay, so um, goes on to say in verse 15, it is yet far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest who has come not according to the law of fleshy commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. This needs some explaining, so hang with me here. For he testifies, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, according to Psalms. For on one hand, there... There is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is a bringing of a better hope through which we draw near to God. Now, uh, it takes some explaining in here. Now, of course, if you have a, 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 a paraphrase, sometimes that makes it a little bit easier. But first of all, I want to point out to you back in verse 15, it says something about another priest or another law. Look at verse 15. Uh, yet it becomes far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest. In the Greek, this word another doesn't just mean, mean an additional one. It means a different, of a different kind, a replacement of the old order with a new. It means a different one. We're going to change gear. We're going to change light bulbs, folks, okay? It's a replacement of the former. And why? Why do you need to replace the law, the old covenant. Why do we need to replace all these things? Look at verse 18 again. It says, For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because, look closely, of its weakness and unprofitableness. How do you dare say that about the Bible? How do you dare say that about the law of God? I challenge you sometimes just to read carefully through the Old Testament and try to keep the Old Testament law. Try to keep all the rules of the Torah, all the ordinances, all of the sacrifices, all of the feasts. Try to keep it all perfectly and figure out how to do that because you will be overwhelmed. And, but don't worry about it because you know what it says here in this verse? The reason, one of the reasons it's been replaced is because of its weakness and unprofitableness. As a matter of fact, listen again how it's worded in the New Living Translation. Yes, the old requirement about the priesthood was set aside because it was weak and useless. Now we got a much better, matter of fact, that's how it ends up when we get to the end of the verse 19. It says, we have a better hope through which we draw near to God. We got a better deal, folks. So because it was weak and useless, and I'll, let me read it on in the New Living Translation. For the law never made anything perfect, but now we have confidence in a better hope through which we draw near to God. Folks, if you pay attention and you read your Bible from beginning to end, by the time you get to the New Testament, you go, oh, thank God for Jesus. A better deal, 
Something I could live with. Something I can do. Because it doesn't depend upon me. It depends upon what he did for me. And it depends upon just me trusting him. It's by faith, by grace, through faith, that I'm saved. Trusting Jesus to save me. I'm so grateful for that. Okay? Because why? The old system, according to New Living, it says it was weak and useless. And it never made anything perfect. So by the way, if you do want to go back and do all that stuff... You could do it for fun if you want, and you could do it for, you know, to study it, but it's not going to make you perfect because the Bible says it never made anyone or anything perfect. All right, we're going to move, we're moving fast. Verse 20, inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become uh, priests without an oath, as a matter of fact, let's speak about the Levitical priesthood, but he with an oath by whom, by him, who said, the Lord has sworn and will not relent, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Of course, quoting that promise from David, speaking about a priest who is to come, speaking about the coming Messiah. And he goes on to say in verse 22, by so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. Folks, we got a better deal. And I'm really grateful that I didn't live in the Old Testament because I would probably be constantly frustrated in that day. I'm grateful I live in the day of grace and the dispensation of grace where I can trust God that he did it all for me. There's one sacrifice for all time on the cross, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And I'm just grateful. My job is to just rest in him and trust in him and enjoy his presence. Now, all the priests, what it's saying in verse 20 through 22, is all the high priests of the Old Testament became high priests merely because they were born in the right family. They were born as descendants of Aaron and the, the Levitical priesthood. It was all lineage. As a matter of fact, because of that, if you know your Bible, many of the high priests, I mean the high priests, not just the priests, some of the high priests were wicked and corrupt because they, they were of the right lineage, but their character was wrong. But see, that's what makes Jesus special. Well, there's a lot of things that make Jesus special. Is that he's our high priest on the basis not of mere lineage, but on his personal character and, according to this text, according to God's oath that nobody saw it coming back from the Old Testament when David promised that oath that is quoted here. So here's your next fill-in. Your next fill-in is Christ, heavenly priesthood, was established on the basis of his character. There's several fill-ins here, so the first word is character. His character. Next is the oath of God. His character, the oath of God. And next is his work on the cross. And I give you some verses to look up, maybe in your growth groups or maybe you're just home, personally studying it. You could look up those verses. But the reason why Jesus is high priest is it isn't because he just happened to be born of a descendant of Levi. But his character, the oath of God, God promised it years ago, and he finished it. He paid it all on the cross, his work on the cross. And you know, there's been many promises, if you study your Bible, there's many promises that God has made in the past that were conditional. It depends upon, if you do this, I'll do that. There are many promises in the scripture that depend upon obedience. If you obey me, I will bless you. If you disobey me, I will curse you. You'll read, you'll find them all throughout the Old Testament. But this promise, this oath that God the Father gives towards God the Son is a permanent 
priesthood according to the order of Melchizedek and it was sworn by an oath from God's own mouth. And that would be an unchangeable and sure guarantee of what we call a surety. Listen to verse 21 in the New Living Translation. But there was an oath regarding Jesus. For God said to him, The Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever. I like that. He won't break his vow. There are some promises that are conditional. But this is a promise in the, in the Bible that we're told. God made a promise. He's not going to break his vow. As a matter of fact, the way the NIV puts it is, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. That's good to know that God doesn't change his mind, right? Uh, you are a priest forever. I like that. So, folks, don't look for the next big thing. You know, maybe, maybe in the Old Testament they were looking for the Messiah. They couldn't wait. When the Messiah comes, this will happen and that'll happen. When, when, when this prophecy is fulfilled, they're always looking forward to the next big thing. You know what, folks? Our next big thing is the rapture. <laughs> Our next big thing is we'll meet him. We'll, we'll go up and we'll meet Jesus, but, but we're not looking for a new Savior. We're not looking for a new law. We're, it's all been complete in Christ and He is a priest forever. We have a permanent Savior. He's not a religious leader till the next one's elected. You know how some religions do that? You see, well, we've, we've got a new Pope. We've got a new High Priest. We got, and, and then He dies and the next one comes along. We have a permanent one. It'll be forever and ever. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I love it. Okay. I like the way I, I, I did read a quite a bit of, of Worsby this week. And here's what Warren Worsby says about this. Because I look at this promise and it, could anything be more sure? Could anything be so unchangeable? And Worsby says this. As the mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ is God's great surety. Our risen and ever-living Savior guarantees that the terms of God's covenant will be fulfilled completely. God will not abandon His people, but our Lord... But our Lord not only guarantees to us that God will fulfill the promises, as representative to God, He perfectly meets the terms of the agreement on our behalf. We of ourselves could never meet these terms, but because we have trusted Him, He has saved us, and He has guaranteed that He will keep us. Jesus, He's the resurrection. We hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, the power of His name.